Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, we are in our, our final week in this series of better. And who doesn't want to be better than what you were a year ago? So as we wrap up our sermon series, each week we highlighted some of the ways that we could become better. Better because of we focus on our priorities. We focus on relationships. We focus on choices. And today we're going to focus on our witness. Those better priorities. Remember when I had that little illustration here and I had those containers and when you try to put all the sand in first in the big rocks, you can't close the lid. But when you put the big rocks in first, when you put God and His desires first, seek ye first the kingdom, then you put in the sand all the little burdens of your life, Marvin, right? Then all of a sudden, everything fits. Because the sand goes and fills in all the voids. Sequence matters. God first matters. It's the first commandment in in Exodus chapter 20. You should have no other gods before me. I'm first. And then two weeks ago, we talked about better relationships. We all are in relationships. Some good, some not so good. But we all have relationships. And we all want better relationships. And we talked about one of the big things about making a relationship better is that when there's an offense, that when there's something that doesn't go right, and it's a struggle, and it's kind of a prick, that kind of just gets you in the side, and you're like, stop. Using kindness over rudeness will bring a sweetness back to the relationship. Now, don't get me wrong, there are some of those folks like, guess what? They're just dumb on purpose. And what do I mean by that? I mean, they're so broken, they're so hurt, that they don't know how to respond in change because they're so far away. And in that case, the Bible says when they cause constant division, we're to avoid them. But that comes after we've done everything we know we're supposed to do. And it resonates that the Lord says, you can can separate yourself from that. Last week, we talked about choices. And man, I tell you, we make so many choices in our life, don't we? So many. And, you know, what kind of clothes to wear? Do we go red? Do we go blue? Do we go up? Do we go down? Do I get gas or do I keep going for it? We make all sorts of choices. And we found out that the closer we get to the Lord, the better I make choices in life. Have you ever noticed when you were backsliding, folks? Anybody here ever backslide? Oh, God bless them, Lord. They're all backsliding already. (laughs) Ever notice when you were away from the Lord, you really made bad choices? But the closer you are to God, you kind of go, well, I'm not being prideful, but that's a better choice. And I know if I was away from God, I don't think I would have made that choice. There is something about being close to God that He will literally guide your steps in making choices. Today, we are going to look at trying to become a better witness for Jesus. 
This is one of those things where it's kind of like, oh no, that, that's, for, that's for those pastor type peoples, not for us. Well, did you know Jesus didn't say pastors do all the witnessing and talking about, and that's it? Did you know it says in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 that the pastor's job is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry? That means we all are obligated as Christians to share about the gospel. Now, for some of us, we're like, yes! And for the rest of us, oh no. That's hard. And I get that. At the end, hopefully, I'll take away some of that pressure as we dive into this message today. So, I once heard a story about a prosecuting attorney from a small Texas town, and he called his first witness to the stand, and and she was a grandmother type, you know, older lady, and, and the attorney asked her, Dear Mrs. Mrs. Jones, do you know me? And she said, oh, yes, I know you, Mr. Williams. I've known you since you were a young boy. And to be quite frank, I'm very disappointed in you. You're quite the liar. And to be honest, you cheat on your wife. And you manipulate people. And you talk bad about people behind their back. You think you're some big shot on the rise, but you ain't nothing but a two-bit paper pusher. Yes, Mr. Williams, I know you. Mr. Williams didn't quite know what to do. You know, they tell lawyers, you better know the answer before you ask it. And so he was kind of shocked, and he turned, and as he turned, he happened to look over at the defense attorney. He thought, oh, Mrs. Jones, do you know... The defense attorney, she goes, oh, yes, I know Mr. Bradley. Matter of fact, I know him when he was a youngster and his mom and dad had me babysit him. And he's a disappointment to me. He's a drunk. He's a conniver. And his law firm is the most shadiest law firm in all of the state. I know Mr. Bradley. And the court started to snicker and laugh and giggle. And all of a sudden it got so loud that the the gavel came down. And the judge said, silence! And he called the attorneys up up to him. And they both got right up to where the judge was at. They were just 12 inches from him. And then he leans in. And he says, if either one of you asks Mrs. Jones if she knows me, you will be held in contempt of court for the rest of your life. (laughs) Sir, yes, sir. See, being offensive doesn't necessarily work. Folks, I'm pretty sure that that's not the kind of witnessing that Jesus was talking about when He told us to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to all the ends of the earth. When we're mean, when we're brutal to others while trying to be a witness for Jesus, well, it just doesn't really work. Be careful in how you reach out when you talk to people about the Lord. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 3. We'll start at verse 13. And it says, And who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good. 
Have you ever noticed if you're doing something really good that most people just kind of like, well, that's great. Go ahead and keep doing it. I don't know, you're going through the drive-thru and all of a sudden, you know, the guy in front of you have no idea what he's doing. The guy in front of you goes, hey, what's that guy's bill? Oh, it's about $45. Here, let me pay for it. And so when you get up there, all of a sudden you go, how much is that, 45 They go, no, it's zero. The guy in front of you paid your bill. Anybody going to stop him? Did the, did the worker at the drive-thru say, you can't pay for that guy's meal behind you? No. See, when you're doing good, people pretty much leave you alone. They're not going to stop you. And if they are weird, well, let's read the next part of the verse. But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation. And do not be in dread. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. But with, catch this, gentleness and respect, not like Mrs. Jones. And keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who disparage your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. Do you know when people unjustly attack you for the cause of Christ, that they are going to be dealt with? That there will come a time that the Lord will say, uh-uh, you're not going to do that. You're going to be put to shame. For it is better, if God should will it so, that you suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. I know nobody wanted to hear that. We're going to read that one out loud together. Verse 17. One, two, three, begin. For it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. Do you know it is better to suffer for doing what's right than to ever be a part of what is wrong? God's saying, it's better. I, I know you're suffering, but you're doing what's right. I won't ignore that. I will bless you for that, whether here or there. I will bless you for your obedience to be about a life of righteousness and goodness and kindness. The fruit of the Spirit. Then to say, I'm so angry, I'm so bitter, I'm so offended, I'm going to be all about the darkness of the world. That's what it's saying. Don't go there. I don't care how inviting it is. Even if I'm suffering, it's better because God will not ignore that. But He will have to deal with it if I do the things of darkness. You see, the fundamental job for every Christian is to be a witness. Being a Christian in its simplest form is sharing with others what Jesus has done in your life. It's offering up evidence from your own story, from your own experience that would validate Jesus and what He said and what He is and what He's done and what He's yet to do. The book of Acts, it speaks to the mandate 
That was for all the Jesus followers back then. And for all the Jesus followers today. And for all the Jesus followers tomorrow. Till Jesus comes. And it says here in Acts 1 verse 8, but you will receive weakness. Is that what it says? No, it says you will receive power. That word is dunamis in the Greek. You know what? Dunamis is where we get the word dynamite. It's meaning real, explosive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You know what he's telling them? Where is this being spoken for the very first time? In Jerusalem. Here's how it's going. Speak to the people that you live with. Your family. Jerusalem. Judea, now, now the city, the, the area, now the county, right? The city, the county, and then it goes to the region, and then it goes to the ends of the world. He's saying, guys, it's everything and anything and anyone they need to hear. We're talking about eternity. I remember hearing as a little boy, Heaven and hell are at stake. The people you love, the people you work with, the people you're friends with, the people you hang out with, heaven and hell is at stake. How horrible it's going to be when we're up there at the impearly gates and somebody looks right at Marvin and says, why didn't you say anything? Why didn't you tell me? It's too late now, Marv. What would you say? What are you going to do? Jesus is telling the followers that they will receive the Helper, the Paraclete. That's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will empower them have you ever been in that situation? Ever see somebody, they're speaking, and you're like, I don't know what's going on, but that's coming some, someplace way farther and deeper from them because they're not naturally like understanding this stuff. It's because the Holy Spirit is flowing through them. And He'll flow right through you. He's no respecter of persons. Anybody who's willing he's going to use you know we're the light of the world there are other places in the gospel where jesus talks about what is meant to be a witness and in fact in the middle of one of the most famous sermons the sermon on the mount jesus tells his followers that it's an incredibly important job and that they are to be witnesses to be check this out to be lights in the darkness. How many of you ever remember a little Sunday school song? Now get your little finger up. This little light of mine. Y'all remember that? This shine. This little light of mine. 
I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Shining around the neighborhood. It comes from this verse. It's telling us even as little children. So you're, you're with me here in Matthew chapter 5. This is the Sermon on the Mount. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Have you ever taken a flame and put it under a wicker basket? Does that make sense to anybody? And still a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine. See, not just your words. How you live. For all to see so that everyone will praise your name and your family name and, and your church. And, or, or What's it say? To praise your heavenly Father. See, this isn't about religion. This is about a king and his kingdom. His name is Jesus. It's not about a religion. It's about submitting to the king because he is a good king. And he loves us. Have you ever thought about how important light is? I, I do the minute it's pitch black. Amen? Amen? I've been in a cave in Arkansas where we were so deep in that there was literally no light. So when we turned, we literally put hands over our watches and we turn off all the flashlights. And I put my hand and I touched my nose and I couldn't see my hand. You see, today there is so much light pollution, that's what they call it, in the cities throughout everywhere that you have to go so far into the wilderness to where there's no impact by artificial light. But when you've ever been out there and there's no moon, oh my goodness, it's incredibly difficult. In this culture, it was the cities, because of defense reasons, they would be established up high on a mountain because, as Sun Tzu says in the military, you want to have the high ground. So when they would come to invade and attack, the castle would be up high, the city would be up high, and they could shoot down and take out their enemy. Well, on top of that, it's like a torch on a stick. It's putting it up super high above your head. It's easy to be seen. So the city could be seen. You're out in the wilderness hunting, and all of a sudden you didn't catch any game, and you're staying out, and now it's pitch black, and you're like, how do I get back to the city? And you go, don't worry. Hang on. Wait till it gets completely dark, and everybody starts turning up all the, the fires, all the torches, all the lamps. And you look over, and you go, there it is. Just make our way over to the, to the city now. doesn't matter, but why? Because there's a light. It's like the light tower on the coast of an ocean. It's something that guides you home. The power of the light. You know there's no such thing as darkness. The truth in science is there is only the absence of light. Please catch that. Darkness and light are not equal. God is light. If there's darkness, it's because there's less Jesus in that thing. 
More Jesus, more light. There's never the devil's equal to God. There's just, there's less of God in that thing or in that place. Jesus tells them a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And when Jesus is preaching this message, it was most likely in the hills there of Galilee. Ancient Near East, a city that was often built so high up that the surrounding areas could see it. God, does your church so shine that the surrounding areas are seeing it? Are being impacted by it? Not for us, but for the cause of Jesus. You are the light of the world. You're the light of the world to reveal, to illuminate, to shine in the darkness and light the way for others. Some you care and love and call family and friends, and some you don't even know because they're pure strangers. You're a city on a hill to offer a visible path right to the cross. So don't be ashamed. But we struggle with that, don't we? We get a little scared. You know, one of the greatest challenges to living a better witness in life is the fear of what others might think about you and about your relationship with Jesus. Some Christians might be so embarrassed, so ashamed that they will never let anybody know that they are a Christian. So I ask the question, if you were in court today and they were trying to convict you of being a Christian, would there be any evidence by the prosecuting attorney to convict you? They need evidence. They can't just make it up. Sometimes we lose that boldness. It reminds me of a story about a a Christian who prayed, Lord, if you want me to, to witness or to share Jesus with somebody today, please give me a sign to show me that it's you. Well, that very day he found himself on a nearly empty city bus when a big, burly man who came and sat next to him on the bus, and the bus is almost completely empty. And the timid believer anxiously waited for his next stop so he could get off. However, before he could get off, the big, burly guy just started to weep. and The tears were flowing down. He just cried out. In a loud voice, and this guy just says, I'm so lost! I know I'm a sinner. I just need God, but I don't know how that stuff works. He turned over to this Christian guy and says, Do you know anything about the God stuff? And this is what the believer did. He closed his eyes and he prayed, Lord, is this a sign? Hello? Hello? 
Have you ever been in a situation and you're saying, well, let, let me pray about it? Hello? Reach out. Reach out. I literally had something like that happen. My brother-in-law, he passed away a little while ago. When I lived in Grass Valley, he called and wanted to talk to me. And he goes, Marv. I said, yeah. He says, I'm hurting. I'm in a bad place. He goes, I just want to get saved. Can you help me? I said, yeah. I led him to the Lord right on the phone. Should I have said, just a second, Lord, is this a sign? I mean, you couldn't make it any easier. He actually said, I want to get saved. And I prayed for him. We prayed the, Lord, the, the Lord's prayer together. If you're just willing, you have no idea what God will do. He will surprise you. Let's not be that guy. Let's not miss a divine appointment. Of God. I call them DAs. They're a divine appointment. Don't miss it. Don't be so busy. Don't be so intimidated. Don't be so self-centered. Don't miss it. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed. Now this is Paul who wrote the book of Romans, right? I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. Here he says, it is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. That's you and me. Paul writes that he's not ashamed of God, of the gospel. And he's not going to be quiet. The only thing worse than being quiet is being weird and rude about the gospel. Have you ever had those people come up to you? I have. It's so funny. They'll come up to me and, Do you know Jesus? And I go, No. And they look at me and, you know, I just, I'm playing with them. And then when I'm all said and done, I'll go, I'm a pastor and I got news for you. The way you approached me turned me off. And heaven and hell is at stake. You better rethink your approach. And then I walk away. Be careful. I don't want to be treated that way. Why would somebody else want to be treated that way? God wants us to not be ashamed. God wants us to be a better witness. And your story, do you know that your life story is not up for debate? There is nothing there for argument. It is your story. This was my life before Jesus Christ. I now encountered Jesus here. And this is how my life is now. Did I use one verse? I hope you memorize verses. I didn't use a verse. And guess what my friend's going to have to do? What are you arguing about? 
but this was me. I know, I was there. Okay. I met God. This is how I met Him. Really? Yeah, it was incredible. And this is how I am now. Yeah, you are like that now. So what about you? What do you think God wants to do in your life? How are you before Jesus? Have you ever had an encounter with Jesus? Well, no, I haven't. Would you like to have an encounter with Jesus? Yeah. Okay, well, let's pray. You see, you don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to have a master's degree. You don't have to own 20 Bibles. You just have to share your story. I was like this. Maybe it was really bad. Maybe it was just okay. You know, there are prodigals who have never left the church. They've always been in church. But the truth is they don't know the Savior. They know about Him. I like to say it this way. Just because you go to McDonald's doesn't make you a Big Mac. And just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian. But your story is so powerful. It's why there's a, a movie industry. It's why there are books that are sold by the millions. People want to hear your story. Just like you want to hear other people's story. Don't be afraid. That's the gospel. I was lost. I was scared. I was ugly. I was mean. I was this. I was that. And I met him. And he cleansed me. My heart that was black and, and just dark, he made it white as snow and there was a brightness that overtook me. And now today, I can't help it, but I want to share. And I'll never want to go back there. Wow. Now, there are those times when it's just the spur of the moment that an opportunity to share Christ will come up. And be ready for that. And maybe with a stranger. And then there are going to be those times where your decades of being faithful as a disciple is going to be the witness. I know for my wife and I, we went decades, especially in my family, of feeling like we were mocked and laughed at because, you know, we were the Christian ones. And it was after, oh my gosh, 30-some years. Then all of a sudden, it was Uncle Marvin, Pastor. Like, can you pray? Can, can you lead us in communion? Can, can you pray? Can, I brought my friend. Can you pray? Like, what? what? I'm looking at Chris and I'm going, what just happened? You see, the witness of all those decades spoke. Spoke. There's also those times of being kind and showing care and love and being a giver when no one is watching only to find out others were actually watching you. You just didn't know it. And that is a witness to people. How you live your ordinary everyday life is one of the greatest witnesses. Your ordinary everyday life of you being a city on a hill a lighthouse. 
So here's my questions as we close. Who's the one person in your life that you can be a witness to? I bet God will speak it to you right here, right now. It might be more than one. What's the one thing you can do to be a better witness in the world around you? I bet God's speaking that to you right now. Not me, the Lord. This is the call on our lives and the imperative command of Christ on all of us. The truth is, we will be better people if we focus on better priorities, if we focus on better relationships, if we focus on better choices, if we focus on being a better witness. The question is, are you willing? Father God, I thank You for Your goodness and Your grace. I thank You for Your people. I thank You, Lord, that You desire to partner with Your family. That we would all be a part of the cause of Christ. That we could share Jesus by the way we live, by who we are with, and then just say, here's my story when the opportunity comes. God, we need You. God, we need You. Is anyone here today and you're saying, you know, Pastor, I, I, I need Jesus. Maybe I've been away from Him for a long time. I just need Him to be the Lord of my life. I need Him to be the Savior of my life because He died on the cross for me. I just want to make it right. I want to be able to share Jesus with somebody else because I know He's real. And I need it to start with me first. I want to make it right with God. Church, if that's you, would you just look up at me? I just want to pray with you right where you're at. See, yeah, that's me. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Yes. Yes. Say, dear Jesus, be the leader of my life. Be the forgiver of my sins. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Make me a Christian. Help me to be a witness. I need you, Jesus. Set me free. Amen. Lord, I pray blessing on your people. Lord, I pray for those who want to be a better witness. That you would encourage them. That they could do it. That You will bring them exactly what they need through the paraclete, through the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll bring to remembrance what they need to know for that moment if they would just step out in faith. And You'll go the rest of the way. Bless Your church. Bless our future for the cause of Christ. God, we need You. I pray peace on Your people. In Jesus' holy name. And we all say, Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. 
how will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.